this episode. And we've got a special guest with us today. Thank you, guys. I've never been called a genuine talent before. Uh, as a teenager, I decided I wanted to be a musician. You can't make a living as a jazz guitar player, you idiot. Executive teams from some fantastic companies like American Express, Nortel Networks, Bank of Montreal here in Canada, Sony. I saw that leadership was the secret sauce, using stories as the way to talk about leadership. And so do stories make a difference in business? Yes, they do. Welcome to Anecdotally Speaking, a podcast to help you build your business story repertoire. Hi, everybody. I'm Sean Callahan. And hi, everybody. I'm Mark Shank. And we've got a special guest with us today. Um, I, you'll, you'll, love, uh, you'll love this episode uh, because uh, this guy is uh, a genuine talent. Uh, his name's Doug Keeley. Um, he's been an anecdote partner for about five years. We'll talk more about that. And, and Doug is uh, based in Ontario, Canada, and he's the, uh, the CEO and chief storyteller of company called Stories Rule. Welcome to the podcast, Doug. Thank you, guys. I've never been called a genuine talent before, and I'm glad my wife isn't here to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. great to see you, Doug, and uh, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Thank you. I, maybe it'd be great to um, hear a little bit about how you got into this crazy world of storytelling. Okay, well, uh, as a teenager, I decided I wanted to be a musician. I went to music school studying jazz as a guitar player to pay my way through university. I worked for my dad who had a business that had a little recording studio and they did communication. So they, they did films and videos and produced events. And when I graduated, I realized you can't make a living as a jazz guitar player, you idiot. <laughs> so with my dad, I opened a business and we did the same thing. We produced communication for large corporations. He passed away. Uh, I brought in some partners. We built it up to a pretty sizable uh, communications agency over the next couple of decades. And I literally traveled the world with executive teams from some fantastic companies like American Express, Nortel Networks, Bank of Montreal here in Canada, Sony, and became fascinated with leadership because I, I saw that leadership was the secret sauce in businesses. And it all fell apart in 2001, thanks to 9-11 and the, in, the explosion of the internet. We were a pretty big internet company. And I decided to reinvent myself as a leadership speaker at conferences using stories as the way to talk about leadership. And as I defined it, it was stories of people, companies, and ideas that had changed the world. And these were video vignettes that I narrated live. And having done that for a little while, my clients would come up to me and say, can you teach us how to be better storytellers? Because you're out there on stage at our big sales conference and you're rocking it with these video stories. And then our people get up and they have their horrible PowerPoint and you're making us look bad. And I don't mean that in any way egotistically. So my partner, business partner, Tim Magwood, and I started building uh, a lot of story training material. And one day I ran into anecdote on the internet and saw some of the work you did, contacted you, Sean, and yeah, yeah, I uh, the rest they say is history. Yeah, uh, It yeah. was a really simple realization that your stuff was way better 
than what we were building. And it was much smarter to say, I'm going, I'm going to be an anecdote partner than continue to do what I'm doing. Wow. Yeah. I remember that phone call, Doug, you know, it's funny how some, some, uh, conversations really stick in your mind. And I, I was in downtown, you know, Melbourne, uh, in this one particular building, I, I sort of ducked in there just to take the call because I was out on the street. And I think we must have spoke on the phone for maybe half an hour or so, uh, at least, uh, just talking about, you know, what you do and how you do it. And, and I must admit, I, at that point, I thought, wow, this, this guy's great, you know, and I was pretty excited about the idea. But I think it was 12 months before we actually got to face to face, right? Yeah, it was a while. It, yeah, it, yeah. You know, two storytellers off in their little story worlds, and we met up in Arizona. That's it, in Arizona, Scottsdale. So, uh, yeah, no, that was, that was a great, uh, great kickoff. Um, it was a fun meeting because it was almost, um, it was you coming with your stories. I, I think you were doing storytelling for leaders. And, yes. and so all of the stuff that goes with that in the presentation and I remember showing up with my Mac with my whole library of stories, which was about 50 videos. And it was like, hey, you want to see my stuff? Well, no, you want to see my stuff? Yeah. You want to yeah, hear my I stories? Remember. Yeah, I'll tell you my stories, man. And yeah. we, were, I think, regaled each other for a very long day and a half of great storytelling. Yeah, no, it was fantastic. Really good. Well, yeah, and so I remember that when Doug and I first went was in, in Washington a couple of years or maybe, maybe maybe 12 months or so after that, um, when we were uh, exhibiting at the, uh, at the ATD conference, then we ran a, uh, ran a workshop. And I don't know if you remember, there was a hurricane, a tor tornado warning yeah. uh, in, the, in the middle of the afternoon. I've never had one of those before. I hadn't had too many tornadoes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but that was a really, for me, like apart from, you know, we had a great time and it was great, but there was a very disappointing aspect about that, that uh, thing, that were, the workshop that we ran in Washington, because Dave Carroll, was supposed to be attending that workshop as well. And, and if I remember that I spoke to you and set it up that both you and Dave were going to bring your guitars. Yes. And, and so uh, have a bit of a, yeah, and unfortunately Dave had to pull out a, a, a day or two before the program. And for those that don't know, Dave Carroll is the musician, kind of the lead of a, a band called the Sons of Maxwell. And he, uh, he wrote the song and played the song uh, United Breaks Guitars, which has had a bazillion uh, hits yes. on YouTube. Yeah. That yeah, was a great so, story. And it had yeah. an amazing impact on United, right? Didn't it really it make did. their share price plummet? And, yep, uh, it sure did. It's sort of one of those first examples of, uh, you know, just through social media having a major impact on a large corporation uh, mm. who was just doing really poor customer service, right? Yeah. yeah. So. And, and, it, and, it was, and it wasn't just that they broke his guitar. And apparently the, the story is that they were they were. They were traveling from one, one city to another and they were on the tarmac at O'Hare airport in Chicago. And one of the passengers said, Oh, look, look, they're throwing guitars. And they looked out the window and there were the baggage handlers literally throwing their guitars around and his very, very beloved Taylor guitar, the, um, they broke. So you, and United just went, no, nah, nothing. And so that's when they got a bit annoyed, wrote the song. But the interesting thing was that for uh, a PR disaster, a social media-driven PR disaster for United, but a huge coup for Taylor Guitars, right? Because yes. Taylor Guitars said, dude, here's a new guitar right now, yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and so Brilliant. they replaced it immediately. And, and so they did great customer service. United <laughs> did terrible. And so do stories make a difference in business? Yes, they do. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. 
Yeah. Now, you know, uh, Doug, the sort of approach we take here, we share a, share a story and we'll get you to share one of your stories um, in a moment. And then, well, then we just have a conversation around, you know, what makes it work and well, how could it be even better and maybe even where you might use it in an organisational setting. So we might just kick it over to you, Doug, just to share a, share a story that you think our listeners might be able to use in their, you know, sort of business uh, communications. Well, I'll, I'll tag on to the story that you just told about um, United Hates Breaks Guitars. And this story goes back to the mid-1980s, and it's my favorite business story. And probably was the first time that subconsciously I was taught that stories make a difference. So it's the mid-1980s in North America. Uh, I am in Toronto at the time. And I had an agency uh, producing communication for companies like IBM at the time and Nortel and so on. And I remember reading a story in the newspaper. Now, mid eighties, there's no internet yet. So the way you get your news is basically TV, radio, newspaper. And I'm standing in my office reading the newspaper. I remember exactly where I was. I remember where the story was. And the headline said, uh, the headline was said, this new company had done something unbelievable. And I'll tell you the headline in a second. So the setup to the story is there was a young company in the package delivery business called Federal Express. And Federal Express had made a brand promise to the world that they would get your package to its destination absolutely positively on time. That was the promise. And as I recall, it was by 10 a.m. in continental U.S. and by noon in Canada and Alaska. The, that detail probably doesn't matter. And the headline said, Federal Express driver rents helicopter to deliver package. And there was a snowstorm in the northeastern United States, as I recall it, and there was a FedEx driver trying to deliver his packages and the roads all got closed because the snowstorm was so intense. And without calling into his office for any approval or anything, he made a really big decision. He knew that they had promised to get that last package there absolutely positively on time. He knew he couldn't do it in his truck. So he made the decision on his own to go to the airport rent a helicopter, and he personally flew the package to its destination to get it there on time. And I like to think that, you know, it was blood or something and a child's life was saved as a result. <laughs> well, the story said, you know, these guys will be out of business by Christmas uh, at, if their drivers are out renting helicopters. Fred Smith, the CEO of Federal Express, said on the contrary, we promised that we would deliver absolutely positively on time. That's our commitment to doing what we promised to our customers. Our drivers are smart enough to not be renting helicopters every time there's uh, you know, a package or a snowstorm. I trust our guys to do that. That driver was made a hero at the head office of um, F Federal Express. And I believe that kickstarted what became one of the world's best storytelling companies. Uh, FedEx today, I would put in the top 
five of all companies I know at using stories to drive culture. Well, my company, my clients, IBM and Nortel and so on, all heard this story. And what did we all say? That's who I want delivering my packages. We all gave our business to Federal Express. And that was the start of what became the kickstart of them transitioning to FedEx and becoming one of the world's greatest brands. And stories have always been at the root of FedEx, today called FedEx. You know, there's a, other famous stories about Fred Smith and things they've done. And that's, that's my favorite business story. Yeah, that's great. Now, I yeah. just so you know, I have a follow-up to that story, which won't, we, won't, we don't need to put in the analysis, but I sold my house a couple of years ago to a couple, and he was an engineer at FedEx in Toronto. And he asked me what I did for a living. And I said, I'm a storyteller, and my favorite business story is the FedEx helicopter story. It's the best story ever. And he said, ah, Dougie, we got better stories than that. And the next day, he literally sent me a link to a website which had indeed better stories than the FedEx helicopter story about how they had rescued weddings or pulled, pulled situations from oblivion by getting a package on time or doing what they had to do. So I say that because I think that was one of a couple of stories in FedEx history that really made them realization the power, realize the power of storytelling in building a customer-obsessed culture. Yeah. Wow. Uh, you know, you say we should uh, drop that last bit out of the analysis, but I think that really adds a lot to that overarching story, right? It, you know, it gives another level of credibility. Like this really is true. Like this is, this is something that people really know about in, in FedEx, right? So I think that's a really interesting part of that story. Well, let's have, let's, uh, let's have a chat. What do we like about it? What's, uh, Mark, for you, what, what uh, jumps out for you in that story? The level of detail that Doug was able to convey was was fantastic. And reading the newspaper, you can remember exactly where, where it was in the newspaper and like kind of highlights how, how impactful that story was. Um, I, I also like the surprise, which is that the, the you know, that little turning point where the, the, the newspaper is saying these people will be out of business by Christmas. But in fact, it was the, the completely opposite. It was the the like a, a, a turning point that uh, that propelled them into what is now, as as you said, a, a, a one of the most recognised brands in the world. And so, you know, it's that interweaving of your own personal experience, Doug, which I reckon makes your storytelling just so wonderful. Because you know, you you, you threw in the fact that how oh, you're working with IBM and and Nortel and others, and and we and we all heard that story, and we all gave our business straight. You know, like it was, you know, that again, it's this extra layer in that story that makes the story even better. And yeah, it's one of those things about the details really add to the credibility of both the story and Doug. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's nice. I love that. Well, it's, it is amazing to me. And I, I, I think of this often. And for everyone listening to this, let's just say it was 1985, mid-80s. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So 35 years later, I have a very clear picture in my head of literally the table I was standing at. I was having a coffee. It was early in the morning. And, and that it was in the top right side of the right hand page of a newspaper and I remember what newspaper it was 35 years later like ask me what I did yesterday and I go I don't know <laughs> <laughs> and that's the power of it all that's what yeah. blows me away 
yeah, about yeah. the power of stories. And I, and I love that little parentheses that you throw in there, which is, and I really hope it was, you know, blood for a child to save yeah. its life. I mean, <laughs> you know, you little crafty bugger, you know that, of course, we're so drawn into the safety of children and, and death and life. And you know, it just amps up the story one little notch, doesn't it? You know, it's, well, it's way better than it was, you know, a couple of screws and a few bolts. Yeah, that's a, right. You know, some machine. That's yeah. right. So uh, I think that that certainly does um, uh, make it for a nice story. Um, you know, it's it's visual. We always talk about how it's important for stories to be visual. Uh, that's that's a big part of it. Um, and you know, I think I, I wonder. You know, just in terms of you know, like if we now move to you know, what would make this story even better? You know, I don't think there's much you can really add to this story. I, I, I wouldn't be trying to. Uh... I'd be just going with that version. Yeah, you know, I, yeah. it's it, it's uh, it's interesting that you ask that because and and this again might be useful for people that I um, I have often thought how do I tell that story better and when I look for details of the story on the internet there's very very few there are little snippets that you find here and there um, where someone who was an executive at at FedEx or Federal Express in the 80s will say, yes, that story is true. Here's what I remember. But finding details of the story, you can't find them on the internet, other than I have many times gone to make sure corroborated that, yes, indeed, it was true. And you also can't find pictures of Federal Express trucks anymore. They've scrubbed the internet of them. Uh, and it's all FedEx now. I don't know why. So um, the I can't make the story any better um, because I don't remember any more of it. So it's working at the limits of, and that's probably just as well. But what you've just said there is a, is another good lesson for people that if you hear a good story, sometimes you need to put your journalist hat on and do digging to get the details and you know for it to, to, to be of maximum impact, you, you need to do a bit of work. So if someone tells you a, a, an interesting story and you go, oh, that's really good. If you want to use that in a serious business sense, it's worth doing some research. And the internet, well, makes it pretty easy these days, but it is an important part of this uh, you know, effectively, effectively using story. And also important to capture, which I know you guys preach and we all preach, which is when you hear a story, find somewhere to put it. Because if you're just reading a newspaper or you see something, you'll forget about it in a couple yeah. of days. That's so it. whatever you use, OneNote or Evernote or a journal, when you, if you see that story, go, oh my gosh, I have to remember this story and cut and paste it or do whatever you do because you'll forget it otherwise. Yeah. I remember uh, reading a, uh, a little uh, sort of a quote from Philip Pullman. Philip Pullman is a, a writer from the UK who um, he wrote the uh, Dark Materials series. Uh, that's what he's sort of best known for. Um, but he was writing a preface to a book of uh, fairy tales. And he made a really interesting observation, which was that in a fairy tale, um, <clears throat> You have to you have to move fast, um, and to move fast you have to travel light. And what he meant by that is that the stories are made up of archetypes. You know, so when you say princess, you know, you don't need to describe a princess. Everyone knows what a princess, and you know, dragon, you know, and castle. I mean, it's like these basic 
tropes, if you like. And I think this story's almost got that element. You know, it's the it's the delivery driver, it's the helicopter, it's the airport. Like you don't have to go. The reason why you don't have to go into all that because that these they're almost archetypal. Uh, components, right? And so that way you can move really quickly through that story. It's the story that everyone kind of, they understand the, the component parts. Yeah. And you don't have to describe, again, you don't have to describe the snowstorm. Not snowstorm. Rosie yeah, flows. Exactly. Everyone who lives in a place where it snows knows exactly what that means. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah. Cool. And, and, you know, helicopter. Well, yeah, we, you know, airport, you know, costly, we, you know, we don't have to say anything about the expense of it. We, you know, we yeah. just, that stuff, we all, we, we already know. Yeah. You don't have, in that situation, you don't have to talk about the model of the, the helicopter and, you know, and, and, you know, and the speed at which it got to this destination and, you know, or, you know how it took off or, you know, like you don't have to t- tell any of that, right? That's just a waste of time, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Or how much snow there was. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Who cares? Roads are closed. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Yep. Rightio. Cool. What about where we might use this story? How do we put this into practice? Well, I'm, I'm just going to go first. Um, Good so I, I, I ran a session on, oh, at, at, get this, at 11 p.m. on Tuesday night, a, a one-hour session for about 200 people from a global professional services firm. And, uh, and I, I, must, I was pretty happy with myself that I, I, I'd but I managed to maintain a reasonable level of energy throughout that, uh, you know, for, for, for one hour, <laughs> 11 p.m. But um, uh, I, I used lots and lots of stories. And at one stage, somebody said, um, Mark, so, so can you give me a business example with a business point? And, uh, and I did. It was a reasonable one. I would have used, you know, if, it, if I'd have had that in the forefront of my mind, I would have just used that FedEx story. Yeah. Great, right. great business story. So, um, uh if, as an example of a uh, of a business story, it's you know, which of course is valuable to us. Uh, it's a really it's a really good thing. So that's that's the first application. I mean, for me, it's one of those uh, examples of if you give your employees general principles and you know you know sort of guiding yeah guiding principles rather than give them all the rules, they will do amazing things to achieve the goals of the organisation. You know, uh, they can be big things like that. You know, I saw in an organization just recently where the, the company had come out with its uh, strategy and one of the strategic choices was simplification. And these guys over in the call center worked out that uh, each time a customer called, you know, five different ways of updating the customer information, not just on their own bat and, you know, in their own steam, those guys came up with a way to bring it down to, you know, just two little interactions rather than five, right? That, that's the small version of, of that story, right? Yeah. So I think yep. that's, 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 that's a good part of it. I, I'm a bit, I'll throw a third one in. I'm a big believer that mission, vision, and values at companies are an absolute complete waste of time that they don't have stories attached to them because they're so abstract. Yeah. So um, if you consider absolutely um, positively on time a value or it could be in their corporate culture it could be we do what we say we're going to do that's the story that proves it yes that's right we, or we we keep our promises or whatever it is 
I'm always, I'm always chuckle to myself when I'm talking to executives and they have these values. And then I sort of say to them, oh, you know, so what, what would be an, an example of integrity? And they just look at you blankly like, oh, yeah, that's a, uh, yeah. I'm thinking, uh, man, like if that's, an if that's a value, you need to be teeming with integrity stories, your organization, yes, right? Absolutely. And you need to be able to tell five of them off the top of your head right here. Yeah, and there. absolutely. So yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and look, I had a uh, a, a, a um, situation oh, a couple of months ago, um, and working government department value, and I've got a value, a new set of values. Innovation is one of them, and uh, the the lady I've been working with uh, who who uh, organised the program, you know, she's going, this is really good. This is a new way of thinking. You know, this new way of communicating. This will be valuable for everyone. She you know got it opened up. Blah blah blah. Anyway, we turn up to start the workshop and, and she's looking kind of, um, I don't know, under the pump. And I said, what's the matter? She goes, oh, I'm never going to do this again. <laughs> I've been pummeled from <laughs> pillar to post. Yeah. And, you know, like I've been, you know, been told off for getting in trouble for, you know, like I haven't followed the, you know, the 25,000 procurement rules and the procurement people are throwing stones at me and now I look bad. And what I'm trying to do is to do something useful. I won't be doing that again. <laughs> wow. There I felt go. really felt for her innovation happening yeah innovation yeah. killers so it's kind of the opposite um, yeah yeah exactly um, inside yes. the lines please yeah <laughs> yeah yes yes yeah. so I, I guess in terms of a uh, if you're in, in in any culture change uh, situation that story is a you know a good example of, of uh, the sorts of we need to go out and create situations uh, or find these examples that illustrate the culture we want to have and here's what happened with FedEx. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. Fantastic. So, Rightio. Well, let's give it a let's give it a score. We like to do this. Uh, it seems to, you know, I won't say the number that we normally come up with because that might uh, prejudice our uh, ratings, but uh, let's kick off because it's Doug's story. Mark, why don't you uh, give a score to start? I'm, 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 I'm going to. I'm giving it a nine. I love it. A nine. Holy a nine. And Doug's telling was a nine-worthy story. So oh yeah, Doug. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, I think I'm going to give it an eight. It's a strong eight for me. It's a good story. I'll have it in my back pocket. I'm glad you reminded me of it. I haven't told that story for a long time, so. Uh, it's good to have that one in, in the uh, kit. What about you, Doug? What are you going to give it? Well, I'm, I'm the wrong person to ask because that's my favorite business story. So, <laughs> you know, I'm going to give it at least a nine just because of all the things we talked about. You can use it a lot of ways. You can tell it really short. Like you could do the story in a minute and people yes. still get the point. Um, and, and it's a, it's um it's a legacy story. I mean, it's a, it's such a great story. So I would, I would, my marking would start at nine, regardless start of at nine. Okay. regardless of who's telling the story. Okay. Okay. So good, I good. take myself out of the conversation. Nice. So I, I do want to thank you for sharing that Doug, because I just checked in my story bank and that story isn't in there and it will be in uh, five minutes after we finish this podcast. Fantastic. Do, you, I, do you want me to tell you the story that he said, oh, I got a better one? Yeah, yeah, dude, please yeah. do. Yeah, what is that? So here's what he came back with. He said, uh, he said, um, there was a girl applying for college who lived on the island of Kauai. 
and she had to send in an original of the application. And I think it was Stanford and it doesn't matter. And she took it to FedEx in one of their envelopes. And in Kauai, they have small planes leaving from fields, you know, in the middle of beautiful Hawaii. And days later, they hadn't received the package. And she, they, she said, what, you haven't received it. And she checked and FedEx said, we didn't receive it in Los Angeles. So somewhere between Kauai and Los Angeles, her application had been lost. And she was at risk of not getting into to the university because her application was late. And so she, they contacted the guy at the, wherever the office was in Kauai, the FedEx airport office. And he went back and he checked the weather patterns from the day and time that she had come to the airport with her package. And he thought it's possible. It's just slightly possible because of the way our planes are that that package literally fell out of the plane. And he figured it would have gone, it would have, where it would be going over a sugarcane field. He drove to the sugarcane field and walked the aisles of the sugar cane field, found the package, put it on a plane, sent it to uh, LA and she got in. Oh. That's a, called a great recovery story. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, some things are going to go wrong and how you respond to it uh, is the thing that makes a difference. <laughs> That's a good one, Doug. Well, I think we should finish up on that. That's a great way yeah, to, to end the thing in the episode so yeah thanks everyone for listening to anecdotally speaking and of course yeah tune in next week for another great episode on how to put your stories to work Bye and thanks now. doug thanks for being on the show yeah thanks, thank you guys great, great to be here you. cheers now how stories everyone Anecdotally Speaking was engineered by Dave Stokes from author to audio.